Hello and welcome back to Sakamichi Nights. It's the show where every week we choose one or two beers from our lineup. We drink them and then we talk about them a little bit. My name is Matthew Boynton and I am joined by Daniel Bellamy. Daniel Bellamy. Oh, sorry, I thought you were going to hand it off to me. I thought I was just going to speak for the whole episode this week. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow then. Right, great. Well, thanks very much for listening. That's mm. the end. How have you been this week? Uh, excellent. I've been, yeah, it's been good. Weather's been nice. Cold, but sunny. I thought that we could tighten up the intro this week a little bit yeah. so that we could spend a little bit more time introducing ourselves. So why don't you tell us something surprising about yourself? Daniel Bellamy. I'll tell you a recent development. Would you like to hear that? I would. Uh, I have started taking after Steve Jobs in, in what BuzzFeed news lists have led me to believe is the only important fact to know about Steve Jobs. You've you stopped watching. Him. Uh, I wear pretty much the same clothes every day. This is my new, uh, my new winter thing. Okay. Can you describe the ensemble for us? Well, I wear... Uh, I'm cold all the time in the winter, so I wear heat tech uh, or some kind of uh, like long underwear type thing, tops and bottoms. Mm. So I feel like that's the only thing really touching my skin. Everything else I wear, I wear a fair amount of wool, wool socks and right. wool sweaters and things like that. And wool, you know, you don't want to wash it a lot. And it doesn't really pick up a lot of stink if you're, wow. you know, keeping it clean. I'm not really sweating because it's cold out. So I feel like, you know, stuff's not right up against my skin because of the heat tech. I don't really need to change stuff that often. So... I've been wearing the same clothes pretty much. For how long? Uh, well, I changed the underwear and the socks, obviously. The obviously. Wool, they're wool socks, so I wear them for a couple of days. But uh, the underwear I change, obviously, every day. But, uh, you know. And the long johns? The the long johns get changed every couple of days, I suppose. Can I ask a question that? about mm, the long yeah. johns? Are they the kind with a sort of button-up flap over the buttocks? No, you know what? I, I don't think those exist outside of cartoons anymore. That's a shame. That's Those a are all shame. like old 49ers. Like you wake up the prospector in the right. middle of the night. He's wearing his boots, his long johns, yeah. and his One of crushed them is top unbuttoned. hat. Yeah, yeah, you know the type. Uh, yeah, but I, as I understand it, if you, one of the keys to success, uh, to becoming a, an uber billionaire, uh, is wearing the same clothes all the time. That's, uh, that's it. I'm on step one, basically. Step okay. two is uh, be a billionaire, I think. So I'm... Any day now. There's no step 1.5 at all? You know, I don't think so. Invent a product? I didn't look into it too deeply, to okay. be fair. So step one, wear the same clothes every day. Mm. Step two, become a billionaire. Yeah. Uh, the homeless guys who live by the river are going to be delighted by this news. Yeah, I imagine they're just waiting. Yeah. You know, what's the point of cleaning up and getting a job if you're already on step one Absolutely. of a two-step process? I thought I might introduce myself this week by reading from my Wikipedia page. Oh, great. Um, just to, to have an unbiased source. Mm, okay. So yep. It says here that Matthew John Bainton is an English actor, writer, comedian, and singer, and musician, best known as a member of the British Horrible Histories troupe. That's not what I In which he from. starred in the TV series Horrible Histories, as well as an actor in Yonderland and Ghosts. Mm. So there you go. That's me. Hang on a second. Matthew what? Oh, you know what? I've Googled the wrong name here. Oh. This is Matthew Bainton, oh. not Matthew Boynton. Right. Okay, I will endeavor to get this right next week. Yep. Now, every week we try some beer from mm. one of our lineups, but we also do some other things. And one of the other things that we do is answer questioners from some of our wonderful listeners. Yeah. And we've been sent quite a few questions this week. I thought we could start 
with uh, a couple of these questions from Casey in Ishikawa, mm. host of The Bean Pod, yeah, the Bean Pod. and Ishikawa Summit to See, uh, two of my favorite Japan-based podcasts. Mm. He has three questions for us. The first one, tell me about your worst norovirus experience. Uh, I don't know that I've ever actually had norovirus. Norovirus. Do you just want to hear about any of the myriad occasions that I have very nearly crapped my pants because I have a, no pun intended, a pantheon of stories uh, in that vein. You have a crap ton of these a stories. A crap ton, a metric crap ton. Let's, uh, let's keep it light. Let's hear the most light and amusing story about you almost soiling yourself. Jeez, the, the, the lightest one? They're all, they're all fraught with danger and desperation. I don't right. know if there is a light one. But um, surely there's light at the end of the tunnel, uh, so to speak. So I went to Australia to visit a friend several years ago, and uh, I um, airports are kind of a, a trigger for me and, and fires up the system that, that tells everything to evacuate. Right. And I end up getting stuck in quite a long uh, like line for security and customs and all that passport control and all that. And there was obviously no, you know, they don't want people getting out of this line. So and you're there, you're pale, you're sweating, you're looking nervous. Basically, yes, all yeah. of that. And I, I assume that in these places they have various kinds of cameras tracking, like, right. you know, body heat, elevated temperature and things like that. So I'm sure I was uh, setting off a few, a few, a few people saying, hey, maybe we want to check this guy out. A bunch of Australians gathered around a monitor. Oi, Bruce, come and look at this. I've never seen readings <laughs> this high. Check this guy out. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I went, uh, I finally get through the whole thing. I'm like, I'm sweating. I'm shaking. I'm sure I was pale and looked horrible. But I get up to the counter and, and that was surprisingly painless. Like I had my friend's address where I was going to stay. So I get through the guy's questions and he waves me through and I'm like, sweet relief, you know, point me the way to salvation. Uh, and I'm looking around for the toilet and this, uh, you Where's know, it done, mate? sometimes on the other side of security, I maybe everywhere has this. They have some like roving customs guys for like a secondary check. Right. And this guy came up to me and he was like, hey, can I see your passport? I'm like, OK, fine. So I gave him my passport. And at this point, I was about ready to burst because like once you, you know, you pass through the you ordeal. Thought you, were, you thought it was over. I thought I was home free. Uh, and then I got slowed up again. I said to the guy, uh, I understand I might be acting a little bit weird. It's just that I'm about to shit my pants. So, like, I can answer whatever questions you want, but I really need to go to the toilet. And I actually said to the guy, I really need to go. You can come with me if you want, <laughs> but I need to go right now. And he went, nah, mate, you're all right. And gave me my passport, pointed the way to the toilets, and I, uh, I made it safely. What a what a happy ending! It was so great. Was very that was a real roller coaster of a, a story. Man, I tell you what, there's a few more uh, nope, Australia nope. stories, but uh, but that, that's probably that one was, is enough. That was a good one. Yeah. Uh, I I can follow up with a very brief story of my own uh, from when I was on holiday in Sri Lanka, and we were getting a very early train back from Kandy to Colombo. Uh, leaving at some ridiculous hour in the morning. So it was still dark when we left the hotel and we decided to walk um, to the train station. Mm. It's only about 20 minutes. Clever, yeah. But about halfway there, I got a real, you know, Urge. sharp pain in yeah. the stomach. Um, I think something I'd eaten perhaps disagreed with me. Mm. And it was a very uncomfortable penguin-like walk yeah. uh, the rest of the distance there. But luckily, there was a toilet in, uh, in the station. I sort of booted the door open um, it was completely dark in there because there were no lights in the station toilet. 
I sat down on the bowl. I was done in 30 seconds flat, <laughs> I think. Turned up, stood up, turned around to flush, and the toilet bowl wasn't plumbed into anything. It was just a freestanding toilet bowl. So right. I was like, well, I guess that's somebody else's problem just, now. Uh, yeah, leave that one behind. Time to get on my train. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Casey, for that uh, delightful question. I'm glad we've opened with this. Yep. This has been, uh, what has this podcast become? This is the most scatological episode we've ever had. To date. Question number two from Casey. Uh, changing gears a little bit. Do you have any special brews or other food or beverage that you're looking forward to cracking open at Christmas or at New Year? Mm. Do you have anything special lined up I for do, the festive season? Actually, I do. I have, uh, I have a bottle of Smog City Infinite Wishes mm. that I bought. Uh, and when did I buy that? Sometime this year in spring, maybe that I've been saving for a special occasion. So I feel like Christmas, New Year's is special enough. I want to drink that beer. It's a barrel-aged imperial stout, clocking in about 13%, if I recall correctly. Right. Mm. Then you'll drink that and then go through airport customs. Be stopped just on the other side. Yeah. The other thing that I'm kind of looking forward to drinking at some point is the bottle of Grisette that we got from songbird yeah a lovely right? gift from the people um, of songbird we were told to age it for at least six months yeah right and it's been over six months now yeah. so we have to crack that one open mm. at some point question number three from casey he asks which is better christmas day or boxing day which do you prefer uh as, as an american we don't celebrate boxing day but as you know i grew up in australia mm-hmm. Uh, but my experience of the two, I, I was a child in Australia and, and Christmas day, I think is, is better than boxing day for a child. I'm right. not sure about yes. as an adult, uh, I'll leave that one up to you, but my memory of enjoying the two days as distinct days, uh, Christmas day was the better one because that was the day we got presents. That is, that is a big plus. Um, in Australia, there's usually a cricket test match that starts on Boxing Day, Boxing mm. Day test. Yeah, I went to that actually the, after I cleared customs. Right. Not directly after, but... <laughs> you went straight there from the straight airport. there, yeah. Sorry, mate, I've got places to be. I've cleaned out the system. Let's go to this cricket. Um, so you would think that would be a good thing, but with the way that England are currently playing, it's not at mm. all. That's, that's a big negative for me. Right. So I'm going to say Christmas Day is definitely better. Uh, and the only good thing about Boxing Day, um, which is the 26th of December, for anybody who's not familiar with it, is that you get to make a big sandwich with all of the leftovers okay. from Christmas yeah, Day. Yeah, I can get behind that. Um, and that is always a real pleasure. Absolutely. What is the origin of the name Boxing Day? I might be wrong about this, but I think it is traditionally the day that you give gifts to tradespeople. Mm-hmm. Like the guy who delivers your milk or the postman or something, and right. you you give it to them in boxes. I could okay. be wrong about that. Uh, I've also heard that it's the day that you kind of break open the poor boxes, which is where you would donate money mm. to the less well-off uh, in Victorian times. So it's it's one of those two. Mm. I'm assuming in, in Australia it's the day when you box kangaroos, right? And your neighbours and just anyone well, no, comes that's, within reach of your gloves. That's any day of the year, but oh, right, Christmas okay. Day especially because you get to box the kangaroos. Box some kangaroos. Okay. Now we're not only here to answer listener questions. We are also here to try some beer. What is the beer that we're going to drink this week? Uh, we're going to drink the Coachman from Society Brewing in San Francisco. Do you think it's Society or Society? 
The Coachman by Societe. What can you tell me about this beer before we drink it? Uh, it's a session IPA. It comes in at 4.9%, so it's extremely quaffable. And an award-winning beer. Absolutely. Uh, two-time gold medal winner in the session IPA category at the Great American Beer Festival, which is a pretty big deal amongst uh, beer competitions. All right, sold. I will drink some of this beer. You've twisted my arm sufficiently. And we're back. All right, so Societe's The Coachman. What do you think of this beer? Uh, it is delicious. Uh, you get a lot of, I find a lot of citrus and peach in the nose and uh, almost a hint of bubble gum, which I find that flavor, if there's too much of it, I don't care for it. Uh, but in this case, a little bit kind of blends in with, with the, the fruity notes that you get out of it. It also smells, and I this isn't in there, but it smells a little weedy to me for some reason, and mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure why I'm getting that, but uh, I definitely smell a bit of that. Uh, and then I, it's, it's another beer that kind of delivers on the promise. Uh, what, what you smell is what you get when you have a sip of it, and it uh, it goes down really, really nicely and, and very easily at 4.9%. It's, you know, you don't have to slow down when you drink it. You can just enjoy it. It is a, a really kind of tropical and fruity aroma, mm. isn't it? Um, you can smell this beer from all the way across the bar mm. uh, as soon as you pour a drink of it. Well, at least you can when you're not in here with your six-day-old clothes that you're wearing. <laughs> uh, but it's it's got a really fantastic aroma, really uh, sweet kind of tropical fruit aroma, but then it's got a nice hoppy bitterness to it and a a little bit of a hop bite when Mm. you drink it, um, which balances out really nicely, I think. Mm. Session IPA is also the style of our flagship beer, the Shibasaki Session. Mm -hmm. If you had to compare these two beers, what would you say are some of the, the differences or some of the similarities between them? I think both of them are, have a lot of character for for being lower alcohol beers that's one critique that i have sometimes of session ipas that i've tried is that they're uh they tend to fade off the palate quite quickly both of them i think have uh have quite a bit of punch and character to them when you drink them um, but they're but it's punch and character in in very different directions for me uh ours uh the shibasaki session is a bit more um sharp Maybe a little bit acrid, not mm. in an unpleasant way, but uh, but definitely has a bit, certainly sharper mouthfeel as well. And a, a more pronounced hop bite, I find. Whereas this one, definitely it's a bit fruitier. It's a bit rounder in the mouth, I think. A little bit smoother to drink. Both of them are, are very uh, easy drinking beers, but uh, with a lot of character for session IPAs. But they, they come about it differently. Two very tasty beers. Now, I said that we were going to mix up the uh, Wheel of Pairings mm, a little bit I heard that. this week um, because it is the festive season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Saturnalia. Yep. Uh, and so rather than rolling the dice uh, and picking something, I think we should just try to pair this beer with something festive from this season. Right. So if you were to, to drink a glass of Societe's The Coachman whilst watching a festive movie or eating a festive food, doing a festive activity, what would that be? The house that I uh, that we used to live in had a, a fireplace in it. And it was always great 
in northeastern Ohio, it gets very cold in the wintertime, and it was always great when it got... Uh, I don't really care for the cold, as I alluded to at the top of this episode, but uh, it's great when you get the fireplace already and have the first fire of the year, and then having fires in the evening throughout the year while the snow is coming down outside is awesome. Uh, you're nice and toasty warm inside. And I feel like this beer, it's light and crisp. And if you are sitting next to, you know, oftentimes in winter we say you should have like something dark and heavy and brooding. But I feel like if you're you're cozied up with a nice fire and a good book, uh, you're nice and toasty warm inside. Having this as kind of like a crisp and lively complement mm. to to the fire and the coldness outside. I don't know, that that feels like a good match to me. There's lots of good festive telly on at mm. this time of year as well. So you're sitting by your roaring fire, sipping a glass of the coachman. What would you be watching? Um, Charlie Brown Christmas special. Sure. Whatever's on, I guess. Um, the Queen's speech. The Queen's speech. Um, we get that a lot. That's a popular one in the yeah. States. Um, yeah. What are some, some new modern classic Christmas movies? Bad Santa is great. Elf right. is great. Right. Yeah. Something amusing with Will Ferrell in it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, sitting by a fire with the snow falling, I, I'm probably more inclined to be reading a book than, than watching a Christmas movie. But uh, Ooh, check out Mr. Intellect yeah, over man, here. You know how I roll. Is it the bumper book of Christmas facts that you got in your stocking? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's that. That's what it is. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like that beer suits that fireside setting. Very nice. Very festive. One of my favourite traditions of the festive season when I am allowed to visit the UK mm. um, is that on Christmas Day, I will often have a gin and tonic at nine in the morning with my mum. Mm. We'll both uh, pour ourselves a nice little gin and tonic as we're sort of getting ready for the day. You know, it's a busy day as well as a fun day. There's a lot of cooking to do. There's a lot Take of stuff to do. Take the edge off. Absolutely. Mm. And I think that this beer would be a very nice accompaniment to a gin and tonic. Mm. Uh, you want to double fist something at nine in the morning. Stick to a session IPA. Yeah. You don't want to be going for an Imperial. That's just uh, smart. That early in the day. Yeah. Uh, Save that for 10.30. But also, like, it's got a nice citrus character, a nice tropical character. I think that that would pair very well with a nice Gordon's and gin or mm. Hendrix and gin. Sure. <laughs> Hendrix and tonic, rather. Um, especially that early in the morning. And then, who knows, perhaps some scrambled eggs on toast. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a good uh, a good match. We have one more listener question mm. this week. This one comes in from Christine in Scotland, who I know happens to be a fan of a gin and tonic at nine in the morning on Christmas Day. She asks, question for your next podcast. What is the most and least favorite task for each of you in running Sakamichi Brewing? So what do you like about working here? What are some of the tasks that you like about the operating of this business? And what are some of the tasks that you do not particularly like? It's an interesting question because I like pretty much everything that we do here. Uh, everything that we do is in service of our greater goals to build this thing up into something respectable and cool. So everything that goes into it is part of that process. Uh, but that's a bit of a cop-out answer. So, What do you like about working here? Everything. everything it's yeah. all good. Uh, I, I, I think one of the things that really stands out to me that I like about uh, being a part of this is kind of the o overall like ordering, selecting new beer and ordering new beer, putting new stuff on tap or in the fridge, 
trying it out and and also learning about it just that whole uh exploration I, I i don't know about you but i get to drink a lot more different kinds of beer now that we're in here than than i used to be able to because you know how often would you go out with friends to to craft beer somewhat regularly but you would have however many pints half pints drink a certain number of beers and it's expensive so you tend to play it safe and just sure. order things that you know you're going to like and, and you can't you know maybe if they have a flight or something like that but uh with having things on tap here i would just want to we want to know how everything tastes so you could just pour yourself 50 milliliters of something or 100 milliliters of something and get a sense of a beer uh i like choosing beers seeing what places have available i like trying new breweries so that exploration of craft beer and and you know seeing a unique style that i hadn't heard of and reading about it and trying to find out how they made it uh i think that exploration of the beer is really fun i think my favorite thing is sort of similar to that although maybe it's coming from the other direction one of my favorite tasks is recipe development mm. just thinking of new beers that we can make uh and it's it's quite creative but also kind of challenging like there's maths involved and i also quite enjoy the process of talking to other brewers mm. and discussing different brewing techniques and, yeah. and thinking about ways of making different kinds of beer. Um, and so, yeah, it could be tough work. You know, you have to sit around with all these other brewers and like drink all this beer mm. and talk about beer all evening yeah, and, man, and how to make it. It's challenging. But, but it's very rewarding mm. as well. So that's a very positive thing uh, that I enjoy about working here. I'm going to say that my least favorite task, the least favorite thing that I have to do is interacting with Japanese bureaucracy. Mm. Um, any kind of local government interaction that I have it almost always leaves me feeling very dejected and almost like just throwing in the towel and saying, right. you know what, maybe we're not going to do it, any of this. Yeah, shut it all down. This is awful. Uh, and so I've been very glad this year that we've managed to sort of build up a team of, of lawyers and accountants mm. who are able to do a lot of that work for me. Yeah. Because, I don't know, it does seem sometimes like the tax office here want us to fail. Mm. They, they just want to get rid of us. And it can be very discouraging trying to interact with them. Certainly, yeah. It's nice that now we have uh, a little bit of, a little bit of uh, cash laying around to pay for people whose job is to handle that kind of bureaucracy. Right. Whereas in the beginning, it was basically you just smashing your head into that wall over yeah. and over again. And it's good to, to roll up with a team and mm. know that I don't have to speak in this meeting. I just have to sit in the corner looking right. pretty. Sick your people on them. Which is uh, my usual role. Yeah. What about you? Is there anything that you find frustrating or difficult or something that you would maybe rather not do? Yeah, you know, like I said, not not so much. There's not really anything. Everything is kind of in service to to building this up into what we want it to be. So not so much. I do find that uh, repetitive maintenance tasks tend to depress me a little bit right. like I, I i get i find it kind of weirdly depressing to trim my fingernails because like they're just gonna grow back i'm just gonna have to do this dumb thing again i don't know i quite enjoy trimming your fingernails <laughs> well, i'm glad someone does because i don't want to do it uh so sometimes uh like i like to keep this place clean i like to sweep it and i like to mop it but at the same time when i'm sweeping and mopping in here i go it's just gonna get beer spilled on it again literally today literally an hour after i do this it, it could be well 
I'm not sure what the correct word for it is, but if uh, you spend 20 minutes cleaning the windows and the next person who shows up puts a nice Straight greasy away. handprint yeah. right in the middle of the Straight window, away. that can be a little frustrating. That kind it? of treadmill of like, this will always need to be done. This will never not need to be done. Constantly, you're going to have to be doing this thing. Yeah, I, I kind of see what you mean. But um, sometimes at the end of a particularly successful brew day, I might say to myself or to the universe at large, not today, Entropy. We have successfully ordered these things into mm. something that they would not have ordered themselves into otherwise. Right. We had an effect on the world. And although it is repetitive, maybe it's the same kind of thing, right? Yeah. You are actually having an effect in here. And it definitely would, you definitely would notice if we didn't clean every week. Oh, we absolutely. always cleaning in here. Sure, yeah. Um, but I, I see what you mean. Yeah, it can be. Mm. I mean, perhaps not the most fun of jobs. It's subjective, though, right? Because we constantly have to order new beer, and I love doing that. So, obviously, I'm, I'm That's just because being you get a, to drink the beer. Being a complainer. Yeah. yeah. No one can drink a mopped floor. Now, this kind of uh, positive and negative, like and dislike, is a little bit connected to the thing that we wanted to talk about this week. Um, it is the festive season, so we've both had to think about our naughty and nice lists mm. um, for for this festive season. So these are things that we would either like to see more of in 2022 or perhaps less of mm -hmm. in 2022. Things yep. that are nice or things that are naughty. Uh, should we take it in turns? Sure. Yeah. Why don't you start? Do you want to talk about something nice or something naughty? Something uh, nice that I would like to see more of. Okay. Uh, I will bang this drum until I die. I would like to see more multi-beer styles available. Right. I want brown ales and red ales, amber ales, uh, ESBs, best bitters, pour them directly into my face. Who have made some really good amber beers this year? Who... Which, if that, was, that was a weirdly phrased question, who has made? Hmm. Yeah, you nailed it on that one. Well, I was thinking of companies, which are plural in right. Britain. So who have made? Uh, well, uh, I'm, it's no secret that I love Sabretooth Squirrel by yep. Smog City, yep. uh, which is nominally an amber ale, but it's a red IPA, if we're being totally honest. Uh, but to make, a, to make a big, bold red IPA like that, you, you need a ton of malts. It's not a red IPA. is not a traditional IPA that's going to be much more hop forward. It's going to be uh, very balanced. And Sabretooth Squirrel has a huge malt bill to it. TDM, obviously, uh, not so much amber ales, but TDM comes through on the malty beer front, definitely. Best British bitter. Yes, British best their, bitter. Their BBB is BBB. great. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's good stuff out there. Uh, but I find it underserved on tap lists is my issue. If you go somewhere to drink, there's going to be a number of IPAs of different styles. There's going to be some some big heavy stouts. Uh, but when I go looking for the amber ales, the red ales, and the brown ales, there's often just one option in that kind of vein. Uh, I would like to see more of that. But, you know, we've talked about this before. As business owners, we see what people buy, and we need to stock what the customers want. So... Yes. I see it from both sides. Yeah, we, we need to have a variety and we do need to have some multi-beers, but by far the most popular thing is IPAs, isn't sure. it? Speaking of like stocking, one uh, nice thing that I would like to see more of in 2022 is mixed cases mm. of cans from suppliers. Yep. Um, a peek behind the curtain, we buy beer from you know loads of different suppliers from breweries here in Japan and from importers as well. And typically the way is that you would buy 
a full case of cans or bottles. That's 24. But there has been a trend this year to more and more places offering mixed cases. So three sets of eight or four sets of six. Mm -hmm. uh, and some breweries here in Japan even will let you assemble your own mixed case. Yeah. Uh, and that's really good for us because we don't have a huge fridge. Mm. So that lets us stock more varieties of beer without being super overstocked on one thing. So it lets us try more beer and it also lets us offer more kinds of different beer to customers as well. It's also, we also have a bit of a gamble. We've had things in that were great beers. We thought they were great looking cans from well-known, excellent breweries, and they just didn't sell for whatever reason. Right. If we have 24 of those and we only move eight of them, then there's a lot of that hanging around, uh, even though it might be a great beer. Uh, so the mixed cases. Yeah, we don't sell bad beer. So if it's here, you know it's great. But uh, the mixed cases mean we're only in it for, say, 12 cans or right. 8 cans or 6 cans. Uh, and in general, we can shift to that no matter what it is. And I think there is a draw to whatever is new. So being able to mm, turn things absolutely. over more quickly um, is, is a draw for customers. They're going to want to come in here to buy what's new. If we're having the same thing in the fridge every week, yeah. that's probably going to get a bit boring for people, isn't it? What about something that you would like to see less of in 2022? Uh, I mean, this is a hot one that maybe not a lot of people had on their list, but yeah. less coronavirus. Okay, interesting. Good, yeah. uh... You want to elaborate on that? No, what is I this coronavirus? Like <laughs> what more do you want? You know, I, 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 we're, we're taking steps to, to move past it, um, but it, sometimes it feels like two steps forward and two steps back, really. So uh, more, more vaccination and and uh, booster shots in Japan are starting to happen. So just moving towards a, a brighter kind of post-COVID future uh, would be great. On my naughty list is something similar or related, which is I would like to see fewer cancelled festivals. Mm. And I don't mean that we should just hold festivals regardless of the consequences uh, and just have super spreader events. But I would like there to be an environment where it is possible to hold festivals. Right. Again, because I really enjoy going to beer festivals and uh, I think we would really enjoy serving beer at, uh, at the local festivals that they have here in Tachikawa. Yep. Unfortunately, almost all of them have been cancelled the entire yeah. time we've mm -hmm. been in business. Um, Suwa Shrine, right across the street from us, has big festivals in the summer and, and at New Year, mm. but they haven't had one at all yep. the entire time we've been in operation. Yeah. So I would like to see a situation where it is safe to hold those festivals sure. and I would like to see fewer cancelled festivals. Mm -hmm. All right, something naughty or something nice? What How about like something to... nice? You, okay. you set me up with a nice segue. Go ahead. Uh, I would like to see more safe in-person beer events. <laughs> <laughs> okay, interesting. We're coming at this from two angles. <laughs> Obviously, we want everything to be safe. And, and like you said, it's, it's not a wish that we just kind of, like, let's just do the thing. Who cares? Uh, we want, you know, you want to have events that are safe for everybody involved. Um, but... We had an industry event recently, and it was great to be able to see people face-to-face -face and, and uh, share some beers and, and talk to people. And, you know, we even got some questions answered and addressed some concerns with a few of our suppliers. So uh, there, there's definitely value in having those kind of uh, events, whether they're industry events or, or we're selling beer or whatever the situation is. So uh, it would be great if we were able to move towards a place where we can have safe and fun in-person events again. One other hot take 
I've got is that next year I would like to see more white IPAs. Mm. This is a style that's fairly new to me. I think the first white IPA I had was maybe last year, mm -hmm. the last festive season. We had the Accumulation yeah. white IPA. Okay, what is this? This is a new style. Uh, and it's kind of, it's a, a Belgian Whitbeer's malt together with an American IPA's hops. Right. And it's really good. Yeah. A really nice style. And we've had several in this year. Um, and they've all been excellent. And who knows, there may even be a Sakamichi white IPA mm. in the near future, uh, which is somewhat related to the other nice point that I had. I would like to see next year more cool collaborations. Um, we recently saw that Verter and West Coast Brewing made a beer together. And there are lots of really cool breweries in Japan make an excellent beer. Yep. And I think it would be nice to see them working together yeah. and make an excellent beer together. Absolutely. Any others from your list? Uh, if we want to talk beer styles, uh, this is the other, the other drum that I will never cease banging. Bang away. Bang away. Uh, Northwest style dankity dank IPAs. Right. You want to call out any classics in that genre? I talked about it last week, but Campfire Stories from uh, from West Coast Brewing is is the one I had this year that that absolutely blew me away. But uh, I like that style. It's something that's kind of it's to use uh, the word of the week from last week. It's a bit of throwback. All right, style. We're doing that segment again? Uh, yeah, I mean we we kind of blew past it, but yes. Uh, it's a bit of a throwback style, but I love those beers and I think other people love those beers. So, uh, I would like to see more done in that style. Excellent. Final thing on my list, I would like to see fewer England batting collapses next mm. year, but okay. I don't know if I've been that good this year, if Santa is going to provide that for me. seems like you would need to have been very good. I don't think I was that good, to be Clear honest. a high bar for that one. Well, that's about all we have time for this week. Um, we hope you have been nice and we hope that you enjoy your festive period. Um, I've been Matthew Boynton and we will see you again next week. I'm always Daniel Bellamy. Talk to you next week. <laughs>